Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for the fact that we are here free to receive from you, to receive this love that you have for all of us. I thank you for this everlasting gift of being with you for eternity and just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come to us, fill our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and let us receive this message from you. In the name of Christ, amen. Good morning. Right. Welcome to OPTC, everybody. It's great being here with you all. Today we're going to talk about love. And to start with, I will talk about a story, specific story. And this is one of the stories that we can find throughout history of people being able to love and show these extraordinary examples of love by focusing on the things that are important them. So one of the examples is this Polish doctor called Janusz Korczak. This is a doctor who had a couple of orphanages in Poland and during World War II he had to leave these orphanages and get into this train. And this is his story. Last train to Treblinka. Warsaw capital of Poland, August 5th, 1942. On the streets of this Polish city, it was common to witness massive displacements from the neighborhoods in which Jews were forced. A pediatrician, writer, activist, and officer of the Polish army cared for a group of more than 200 orphaned children, members of one of the orphanages that the same doctor founded years ago. On this occasion, a group of Jewish children walked to the streets of Warsaw in front of Dr. Korczak, who is said to have carried one of the little ones in his arms. And he was doing his best to make sure that these orphans felt accompanied and loved as they walked to their deaths. Dr. Korczak had no shortage of opportunities to save his life and avoid deportation to these concentration camps because he had many influential friends. But Korczak rejected all offers to save himself, not wanting to leave behind his children, whom he had so lovingly cared for and protected from the devastating consequences of war. It is said that even in the last moments before boarding the train that would take them to the Treblinka concentration camp, one of the Nazi commanders approached Dr. Korczak to offer him a way out. There was a car waiting for him just a few blocks away, and they had papers ready for him to flee the country and get on with his life. Korshak boldly rejected the offer and decided to share the same fate that awaited these Jewish children in the concentration camp. Dr. Korshak never lost focus on the commitment that he had made to these children. And there was nothing that would divert him from them, not even the idea of death. 
And I'm pretty sure, as we listen to this story, throughout our personal stories, we have felt this love, this kind of sacrifice, this kind of love that makes us feel alive, makes us feel valuable. And I want you to think about those kind of uh, persons. It's always someone in your life that has shown you this love. It could be your parents. As you grow up, you could probably see the sacrifice that they made to provide to the family. It could even be grandparents, aunts, uncles. It could be siblings or brothers in Christ. So as we go to this message, just think about those people and how God used them to love you, to embrace you, to actually make you feel the love that you needed to feel in that specific moment in your life. In my case, I want to share something about uh, an aunt, which I felt a lot of love from her when I was a little kid. I was 10, 12 years old. And it was this time of my life that I needed that love. And somehow I was, I was not getting it from my parents. They were busy doing something else, providing for the family. And I remember how beautiful this relationship was because as we were talking about love languages, for me, it's most probably the words of appreciation. That's how I feel loved. When someone tells me something nice, that's how I feel loved. For other people, it could be acts of service or different things. And this aunt, she lived in Mexico City as I was living in Guadalajara, Mexico. And whenever we traveled to Mexico, she will always had this uh, all prepared for taking me and my brother out to a park, to a museum, different places. But more specifically, she will talk to me and ask me these questions about, how's your life going? How's school? And it will be like something different in my culture that an adult is asking you these questions because we usually don't, didn't have those conversations with kids, right? They're kids, they have their own thing. I mean, don't bother. But my aunt, she had the time and the focus on asking me and making me feel nice just by saying, hey, you're, you're doing great, this is great. Uh, she will help me just go through situations. And I just remember that that, that was a very special uh, relationship and, and how she felt she made me feel. And earlier this year, I found the bad news that she had cancer. She's recovering, uh, thank God. And on September, last September on her birthday, I called her. And we were having this conversation, and I found the strength to say, hey, and I talked to her about this uh, situation when, when I was a little boy, and how she made me feel so loved, and how important it was for her to plant those seeds of love in, in me. And she didn't know how strong a, a reaction she made in me, and how strong I felt about that love, and she, we cried over the phone, obviously, and it was a beautiful moment, and and I think that's what God wants us to do. Just treasure those moments and make sure that we connect them to God because He's a source of love. He is the one giving us the ability to love. He loved us, loved us first. That's why we can love to provide that love to everybody else. And as we go to the Bible, the first verse that we're going to go through, John uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And I, I'm pretty sure this verse is something that you have heard before a lot of times.
But I think this is a great example of that love that I'm talking about. And it's the biggest example of the, of the biggest way that we can receive that love. And let's go to that real quick. John 3.16 says, Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everybody who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So let's stop there for a moment and just analyze this verse. I like that it says, God so loved the world. God didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. There's an emphasis there. And why God loved the world? Because of life. Now, how did God show his love? He gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered what would it be like to arrive to heaven and just be with God for eternity? Have you think about have you thought about it? Just probably a glimpse of what it will be to be just there. To have no pain, no sorrow, no worries. And just feel welcome. I want you to think about those uh, times when you have felt welcome in some place. You can probably think about church. Every Sunday morning, for me at least, just looking at familiar faces, just people talking to me and saying my name. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Hey, Paulina. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. That's enough for us to be, feel that love. And if we think about Thanksgiving or family gatherings, just seeing those familiar faces, those family members that you haven't seen for a long time, just being in that uh, cozy table with all this food, all these people around you. I just think about heaven as something similar but bigger, you know? Somewhere that you will go and just everybody will know your name. Everybody will hug you and welcome you and there's going to be a seat for you in the table with the Lord. And in his word, we can find that those welcoming words, those welcoming situations and expressions of love from God. And I think the first one for us to be welcome anywhere is that we feel that we are forgiven. If you have done something bad to someone, you have the ability to repent and ask for forgiveness. And God is the first one giving you forgiveness in Ephesians 3, 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind as compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And I was, well, I was just thinking about this place in heaven where I will be sitting with, with God. I think this is important because if I don't feel forgiven, I won't be comfortable, you know? If you think about some time in your life that you done something wrong with someone, and you will feel that um, stress with that person, right? But then after you talk to them, you feel forgiveness, that relationship will change. There will be more connection. There will be more comfortness in that relationship. That's why God forgives us. He wants to have that comfortable conversation, situation, and 
hanging out with you. And then, after forgiving us, God gives us comfort. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 17, He, Jesus, will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we keep thinking about this. God forgives us. He gives us comfort. He will wipe away every tear. We won't feel uh, sorrow or worry or sadness. And then he gives us rest. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All this energy by asking for forgiveness, giving, uh, God giving you comfort, we need rest. God is giving us rest. And that connects with this place where we'll be in heaven, just having that rest for eternity, being able to just sit down and enjoy God's presence. And finally, he gives us encouragement. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So now that God has forgiven us, he has given us comfort, he has given us rest, now he's sending us, he's sending us out to the world saying, hey, do not fear. He's saying, be fearless. He's saying, I will be with you. you. I am your God. The God of creation. He is our God. And I ask you, think about this question. How confident are you that God loves you? Is it 10%, 15%, 20 and think about how your life will be if you were 100% sure, confident that God loves you. I'm, I know that for me, if I was 100% confident all the time, my life will be different. And I thought about this answer, and I think it will be a simpler life, a worryless life. And as Mike challenged us last week, I will sacrifice more in the name of Christ. I will be more audacious and bold, living and sharing my faith. This phrase is in your bulletin. Jesus receives you into his arms, into his family, and has a banquet prepared for you in his presence. So why then we are not happy and fearless and bold all the time with that confidence that God loves us? I think one of the answers is because we get distracted. So I want to share a poem from this writer from Argentina called Facundo Cabral. And this is just an extract of the whole poem. You are not depressed. You are distracted, distracted from the life that surrounds you, distracted from the life around you, dolphins, forests, seas, mountains, rivers. You are not depressed. 
you're distracted. That's why you think you lost something, which is impossible. Because everything was given to you. You didn't make a single hair of your head. Therefore, you cannot own anything. You're not depressed. You're distracted. Help the child who needs you. That child will be your child's partner. Help the old, and the young will help you when you are old. Besides, service is a sure happiness, like enjoying nature and caring for it for the one who will come. You're not depressed, you're distracted. If you only listen to the one you carry inside, you will know everything, and in everything you will find something for yourself. And being in the present, you will say and do what needs to be said and done at every moment, naturally, and graciously, and effortlessly, this will make your relationships fuller. You're not depressed, you're distracted by your ego, which distorts, the opposite of innocence, which clarifies. You're not depressed, you're distracted of good information, indispensable for a good life. Solomon, Borges, instead of newspaper, Mahler, or Bach, instead of television. Intelligent and positive friendships instead of losers by indolence and ignorant people wretched by their own decision. You're not depressed, you're distracted of peace. That's why I ask you, when are you going to stop fighting and start living? Because you can do both at the same time. You ask me, when will Jesus return? And I tell you that he never left. That he was always in your heart. You just have to shut up and listen. You're not depressed, you're distracted. From the present where life happens. You're not depressed by something that happened. But completely distracted about what is happening right now. And from this poem, I wrote a reflection that I want to share. We are distracted from the beauty and the majesty of God's creation, distracted from the wonder of our own bodies. We are distracted and sad by people or relationships that we no longer have in our lives, when the most important person in our life is Jesus himself. And we will heal, he will heal, and cure any disappointment or wound that has been done to you. We are distracted by our age, our status, or even worse, our possessions. When none of that will, will take us with us when we die, or none of that will be useful when we are in God's presence. We are distracted by the fear of not being enough when we have been given everything with Christ that strengthens us. We are distracted by our problems when God always has the best solution. And he uses our challenges to build our character. We are distracted by our daily tasks when God has given us the ability to do what we love and love what we do. We are distracted by our plans, our expectations, when only God knows what is best for us. And we can rest when we put our plans in his hands. We are distracted by the disasters in life when God uses even those calamities for the good of those who love him. We are distracted by our health when God heals us from within and our bodies will one day be glorified. 
We are distracted by our purpose in life. When God tells us clearly your purpose is to love God and your neighbor as yourself. We are distracted by the thought of death when none of us can add a single day to our lives. And our death will, will be only the beginning of our eternal life in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. The words from Jesus in Luke 23, 43 to the thief besides him. Today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus himself shows us the best answer to why we doubt, to why we can be distracted. So let's go to the scripture in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. The story of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I feel like I am Martha most of the time. I have a lot of things to do. I have always something to do in my inbox, and I get distracted. Every Sunday morning, I feel encouraged to live my life in a different way. And then Sunday morning comes, and it's gone. Who feels the same way? Who gets distracted by daily activities? Who wants to be married? Jesus said here, the only thing that matters is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Do not get distracted. God loves you. And God is your provision and your guide. And he wants your attention not to be diverted from his provision. So let's close with three ways that we can receive God's love. The first one, go to the word of God. The word of God that feeds us and encourages us not to fear. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Number two, come to church. Come to small groups. Sign up for small groups. Hear your welcome. And I would like to read this welcome phrase that we have in our bulletins, if you haven't read it. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone. Whatever your story, your questions, your struggles. And no church experience is required. I love that. 
Number two, sorry, this is number two, come to church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to sign up for small groups. Keep coming to church. Make this your priority. And number three, run into the arms of Jesus Christ through prayer. The book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. And in every situation, by prayer and petition, give thanksgiving. There is nowhere else that we can go to receive such a warm welcome, like the love and grace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Korshak the Polish doctor from our story, he decided to die with his children before living a life without them. Jesus Christ willingly gave his life and opened the way for us to live together in his presence for eternity. Greatest gift of love ever. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, today to commit yourselves to Christ. At every moment, Give him thanks at every situation. Invite him to every area of your life, every relationship in your life, every room in your house. And ask him by prayer to guide you in any situation, in any decision that you have. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your gift of eternal love, eternal presence with you. I thank you and I just give you praise for all that you have done, all that you're doing and all that you will do for us. I just ask you that your Holy Spirit can be with us for the rest of our lives. Just be present in your word, in your love, and that we can learn from that example of from Jesus, how to treat others, how to love others, and how just spread that love that you have for us. I ask you that as we walk out that door, we bring that love with us, that feeling of a warm welcome, that feeling of a hug from you. Every family represented here, I bless every child, every work, every household. And I just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful message and this beautiful work. And I praise you and your son. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.